Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your also and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsuk, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? Um, until yesterday, I couldn't see the sky, um, because wildfire smoke had invaded Tacoma and much of the Pacific North, the Western part of Washington state. So I haven't, I actually, until yesterday when I went for a walk, I hadn't left my house since Sunday because (laughs) the air quality gave me a headache and made it kind of difficult to breathe. Fun. But I got to see the sky yesterday. That's nice. See, I thought you were going to say you haven't seen the sky because it's been overcast, and so it finally wasn't no. hot. That was like, I'm ready to be happy for you, but... Oh, no. We were trapped in a dome of heat for three days because of the wildfire smoke. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. How are you, though? Uh, what, it's, what have you been up to? It's lovely and lightly drizzly today by me, so nice. I can't complain about anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited. I'm going to Wizard World as we record Woo! this evening, which is going to be super fun. I'm going to be on the Podlander Drunkcast Outlander podcast, uh, um, Outlander panel, I should say, at Wizard World tonight. So I have more research to do before And then. more pre-gaming to do. Yeah. Well, there's that too. I have my brightly colored notes and I okay. have like so many, so many things to say. We're going to talk about um, the, the print shop. It's going to be fun. Mm. So hopefully, mm-hmm. as you listen to this, some of you, I, I was hanging out with you and met you at Wizard World. Hello. So that's going to be super fun. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And we will have more on that next week, maybe. But I also am looking forward to talking about our TV this week because we had some really good TV this week. Uh, there's yeah. some, like, strong, like, I'm a little torn about what's going to win my week in TV because... Guys, we're talking about the Queen Sugar finale and season two of Queen Sugar as our season spotlight. Season three. Season three. I'm sorry. Season three of Queen Sugar. And uh, it's really good. Yeah. Um, It's a really good finale. Yeah. But there's also the DuckTales finale, which was good. And there's also an amazing Mm -hmm. episode of Castle Rock. There's a lot of good TV to talk about. So that is coming um, a little bit later on. We wanted to mention very quickly some listener feedback. So Depayan... Is the other person that watched Reverie. Hey, Defiant! Hey! We found someone! Yay! Always love hearing from you. Please do reach out if you have any other thoughts about the show. We'd love to to hear your thoughts. And um, I got a a tweet from someone who was looking for This Is Our Design, the the Hannibal podcast that I host with Sean Coletti. And um, so I was steering them to the the archives over at theteleverse.org. If you you guys want to listen to a Hannibal podcast and you're more recent listeners and you don't know that, you know, every season Noel would come on and talk with Sean and I for like two to three hours about that season's, you know, season (laughs) of Hannibal, that finale, um, you can find those episodes at theteleverse.org slash T-I-O-D, go zero one and then up from there, because it's T-I-O-D, one, two, three, etc. Um, but anyways, enjoy your, your journey, Sophia, if if you're listening. And if you aren't, that's okay, too. Um, but I just was, was reflecting on our massive fight about the series finale of Hannibal. Uh, good times. I might have it to re-listen. It was a very good time. 
It was yeah. such a long night, though. <laughs> it was way too long. I don't know you how were you were there ever... for like three and a half to four hours. I feel like it was very long. Yeah, I, I, I just was grateful I didn't edit it because Sean did all the editing for that podcast. Um, okay, I'm amazed you ever spoke to me again after we put you through that massive finale podcast. It was fun. It was just it was it was a long night, listeners. Yeah. Um, this week we have some TV show news uh, that is a little bit on the the sadder side. The break with Michelle Wolf has been canceled due to low viewership, which I always find it interesting when Netflix is willing to share its air quotes numbers and when it's not. Yeah, it's not numbers. It's just not enough people watch this in a timely enough fashion. But they're struggling with weekly programming anyway. They're really trying to figure that out. Yeah, that's not going to work because they've built their entire model on season dumps. So yeah. that means that, like, you've trained people how to watch Netflix, and it is not week to week. Yeah. It's, it's very odd. But yeah, that, that you know, makes me very sad. As we were, we talked about a couple weeks back, um, the, the rundown of Robin Thede also got canceled after its first season, and it is frustrating to continue to see more interesting voices in late night and in whatever you call Netflix Sunday shows um, <laughs> getting, getting canceled um, and not getting enough runway to really um find an audience the way that that it would be nice to see um yeah any thoughts on that i'm just really disappointed because i think that the show was could have really found like its legs in season two Mm -hmm. had they gotten it and i think that there's plenty of space within netflix's catalog for this kind of programming and i mean they're still trying it like norm mcdonald has a show just dropped or is about to drop and that's going to be a weekly program. And they have a number of other weekly talk show driven programs dropping. And it's just really weird. that They keep trying this, but in the same way. Um, and then when they have something that isn't a, that is a weekly show that then they're just like, give us six episodes that we're all going to dump at once, which is what they did with Joel McHale show with Joel McHale, which also got canceled. They dropped like six episodes of it without any of the standard Joel McHale context of this is a weekend clips type of thing. And then it just becomes Tosh.0 when you're riffing on television videos and YouTube videos. And it's just like, this is different. This Mm -hmm. isn't the same show that you you, we we were getting before. So it's this really weird thing where they clearly want to break into this space, but they're not willing to give these people the space to do that. Even when they had um, Chelsea Handler, they kept breaking her show into like weird little segments of like, it's going to be all week. Then it's three times a week. And then it's just gone. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I don't I don't know what their mentality is yet. And I don't think they know either, but they just keep throwing spaghetti at the wall and it's not sticking. No, no. And it's frustrating when you when you get connected to these shows and you are really rooting for them and, you know, looking forward to seeing some of these uh, comedians and also just creative talents get opportunities like we won't. You know, I'm sure Michelle yeah. Wolf will find something else. I'm sure. Yes. Somebody else will snap her up. But it's, uh, you know. This show could be good. <laughs> so mm-hmm. why aren't you fostering the show that we know could be good? <sighs> well, speaking of fostering shows that we know can be good, making it got renewed for season two. I did not Yay. see that coming. I really I did either. not anticipate that. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah, I guess just like, I have to assume that a- Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman were just like, are doing this for pennies on the dollar because mm-hmm. they just want to hang out together. <laughs> and then they just probably both enjoy the whole endeavor of the show. Um, I haven't watched this week's episode yet, but it's it's so charming and nice and I really like it. Yeah. So I'm glad I got a second season. Yeah, no, me too. And uh, I 
I'm just like patiently and not so patiently sitting here waiting for the finale because I've seen all the other episodes. So mm-hmm. I would like to see the finale in my eyeballs. NBC, you can just put a screener up. That would work. That would work for me. That's very selfish of me. Um, yeah. But also very selfishly, I'm super excited for Alyssa Edwards' new show, which I didn't know was happening, but it's so perfect. So Alyssa Edwards uh, is has a docuseries that follows her and her work at her dance studio that she runs and owns um, called Dancing Queen. That's dropping on Netflix on October 5th. I'm very excited about that. Uh, I am, It's going to be very good. Right? Did you watch the trailer? I did not watch the trailer. I'm just excited about this entire premise. Yeah. No, it's, it's good. It's a good thing. Um, Veronica Mars is uh, getting revived again at Hulu, in theory. Um, it's like a short run thing to, to go at the same time as the good place to work around, and they, they would work around Kristen Bell's good place schedule. Um, so yay, I guess. I mean, I'm not as over the moon as so many other people seem to be about this. I'm like, sure, if they want to write more, if they're good, then yay. I yeah. like these creatives and this property, but I'm not like desperately, oh, you know, like waiting for this, needing this niche, you know, because I, I don't know, for me, I can always just go back to the DVDs and watch those if I want. Um, that's sort of how I feel about it, but if if they have new stories to tell, as long as it just doesn't turn into fan service like the movies did, then ooh, burn. Well, yeah. they did. Yeah, I mean, no, they did. I'm enjoyable not fan service, yeah. but yeah. you know that does that's enough. You can sustain a movie on that. You can't sustain a series on that. Well, you know when when your fans donate a massive amount of money, you kind of that's kind of what the <laughs> yeah, like that's the purpose. Like I get it totally. Yeah, um, we also got other news. We have uh, Big Bang Theory ending next year at the end of season twelve. Which sure, I mean. They're getting lots of money. Good for them. Um, Glow yeah. got renewed for season three officially, which is very nice. And Random Acts of Flyness gets season two renewal. What is this? It's an HBO show that I have no idea what it is, but the little like slide on my HBO Go for it looks really interesting, and I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Okay. Um, but it airs on Friday nights in that weird HBO time span type of thing. So I have no idea what it is, but I know um, I've seen like a couple of pieces on it. I think people really enjoy it, mm-hmm. um, but I just haven't made carved out time to watch it, mainly because I've been trying to watch The Leftovers, Kate. Yeah, how's that going? <laughs> I finished the Nora episode in season one. Uh-huh. And you just needed I mean, some time? <laughs> I just needed a little bit of time. Okay? Yeah. I needed some time. Obviously. Because um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't watch any yesterday because I've been watching like two episodes a day. That's and. Sad. Yeah, no, and I, well, I mean, I'm having to just to like keep pace, but it's also just like I can't watch another one right now. Yeah. Also, it's just super weird to me that Carrie Coon has basically, um, like within like a me- movie and television landscape, it's basically only existed since like Gone Girl. Yeah. And that's just mind boggling to me because that's only been like six years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because she's just so omnipresent yeah. in our awareness of it yeah yeah indeed um well i'm really looking forward to talking about that theoretically listeners of course this would normally be our make you watch on week but noel needs more time for the leftovers because yeah. and i'm putting him through that so you know obviously yeah. i fully support <laughs> <laughs> bumping back a couple weeks um but and also we had to talk about queen sugar season three so yes. yeah we're gonna delay that we'll do our uh fall tv preview coming up here pretty soon as um, much as we can yeah, well, and that was the other thing, is that the networks don't want anybody doing previews of their shows based on screeners. So we could do a preview, but we'd have, like, Noel, who actually gets screeners, would have to yeah. just say, like, I can't comment on this, because yeah. the network. I watched it. 
I can't say anything to you about it, basically, as it pertains to any of the ABC or CBS screeners. That's I can't so tell weird. you anything. It's so yeah, weird. No. Anyways, we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about that next week at our, at our preview. But for now, let's take a break. Listen to some music because I'm, I'm very excited about this. Because Younger knows what to do when you have an episode <laughs> set in Frankfurt and you have Miriam Shore there and you have Martha Plimpton there. They know what to do. And it's this. We'll be right back after this with our weekend TV. This is what you do. You have Miriam Shore and Martha Plimpton sing Vilkomen at, at like a hotel bar or whatever. Um, the characters are away at a conference, and so sure. they get super drunk and put on the the the, the out- outfits and do a cabaret act. Nice, because uh, that's what you do when you're in Frankfurt yeah. for a book conference. I guess I don't know. It was really fun. Uh, more on that in a moment. First up, though, we have the Ducktales finale, the Shadow War. The Shadow War? I don't know. How, how do you... What's the delivery there? The Shadow War. That's good. Very good. Very yeah, good. Thank you. I'll yeah. talk briefly about the trial and error lady killer finale, A Big Break and Barcelona. Then... Barcelona. And we'll go to the Great British Bake Off or break, Great British Baking Show finale, the final. Uh, move over to Venture Brothers, Arrears in Science. Uh, I'll mention Younger, Fraudline, and then Full Frontal Smith B had August 22nd, 2018. Castle Rock had The Queen and will wind things up with One on Earth's Jolene. So first up is the DuckTales finale, The Shadow War! And it it pretty much was what I was expecting, which was yep. a really satisfying, fun finale that was a bit pat, but overall worked really well. Yeah. And for me, the the two things that most, like, just really nailed the the moment that we needed and and really elevated the finale was the decision to wait so long to to bring everybody back together i thought that worked really well and then i thought that the payoff with lena and webby was beautiful and unexpected so that was something that really worked well for me what what did you think of the shadow war and like this season long build up to to magica's return I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought about our conversation last week regarding like the emotional beats that the penultimate episode set up. And I like that, like you said, that they just spent the first half of this basically going, no one's going to get back together. There have to be shenanigans to get them back together. But also we're going to look at how very pitiful Scrooge's life has become. In the th- the weekend that they've been gone, he's ordered a gazillion pizzas that he has not eaten. And... <laughs> It's just, it's really, it was really good to watch that kind of 
play out and how frustrated Magica was with seeing her arch rival just reduced to a duck in a tank top and just like wallowing in his own filth and fishing pizza slices out of his feathers. Mm -hmm. And so having all of that, plus the realization of like the importance of family come through in the end, uh, it was just, it was really, really good. It was really sweet. The character design for Magica is really great. And I liked the whole, she's been trapped in the dime the whole time. And there's this weird dimension in the dime. It was just, it was very good. And it was very DuckTales. It was very this DuckTales, Mm -hmm. which I think was the really important thing. And it gave a number of other people like chances to shine, including Manny and the light bulb robot and Fenton and even, even poor jackass Gyro (laughs) Um, all had chances. So I really enjoyed that. And it was just, it was a great deal of fun, but yeah, as soon as, like, they were doing, like, the big, like, showdown with Magica and it was all the kids facing off against her, I just leaned over to my person and went, Webby still has her bracelet, and the <laughs> magic and the bracelet, just wait! And she's just like, no. I was just like, yes! Magic and the bracelet's gonna save the day! And then it did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, having, you know, I always appreciate in shows that have magical or superpowered or, like, just adventurous I guess, um, young people in their Mm -hmm. cast. I always appreciate shows that have the adults respect that. And that came through in such a big way in this finale when Donald says, no, I'm going to hold these guys off and you're going to go take care of this because I know that you can do it. And that's, that's what we have to do. That's what's going to work. Um, so, so having, all of bringing in all of the sidekicks, meaning like actual potential heroes <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and keeping them busy with, I think very believably busy with all the various shadow monsters and everything really did allow for us to center on Huey, Louie, Dewey and Webby and uh, really getting them up front and center, which is where they should be in DuckTales. Uh, as soon yeah. as, as Scrooge is back, then he can save the day very quickly um, but but that's not interesting because we know yeah. he'll save the day very quickly. So it's just like we need a it's a tag team. We need to have them figure out how to get him there. Uh, I, I, there was a great article, um, or I shouldn't say that. There's a very interesting article that I promises to be great that I haven't read yet, talking about um, this new Ducktales as a potential American Doctor Who, and I love okay. that idea. That's and a fascinating idea, right? I think there's yeah. so much potential there. I need to read. The, I have it bookmarked. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But um, but I, I really, that, that was very evident for me, that approach in this finale, because of that, like, okay, we just need to get the doctor here, and then the doctor will be able to help. The doctor will be able to take care of it. Our job is to, to stall and help and do what we need to do to get the doctor here so that he can take care of it. If they had the twins, uh, the, sorry, the triplets and Webby actually, like, defeating Magicka, that wouldn't work. It wouldn't be narrative, narratively satisfying. So I think what they did here instead was, was you know, just really effective and worked very well. And, you know, having spending a half of your time working up to, you know, like, was it apple pie with sea salt ice cream or whatever it was? Like, mm-hmm. delightful. It was very nice. And um, I look forward to what comes next with... With the show and with uh, the everything they've laid the groundwork for with Della, but also, you know, there's the fun little tease of of Lena as as Webby Shadow now. 
Um, and what that could mean. It it looks like they, they have a little, obviously it's been a really lovely season. Um, but it looks like they have some things planned for next season that I'm particularly excited for. Yeah. And I mean, I have so many questions about why they didn't just go search the moon at this point, Mm -hmm. um, to find Paget Brewster, who's voicing Della. And that's just so good. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the show's going to turn into a mini community reunion. I'm very here for it. Um, and yeah, and uh, Lena's Webby Shadow, I think, is really sweet and a good way to have, hopefully still incorporate Lena into the story somehow, even though she's a literal sort of like shadow craft of magic. Um, but now that she, there's that element that I think promises to be really interesting as they go forward. And yeah, I'm just, I'm very excited. Um, we haven't discussed like one thing about this finale though, Kate. Mm-hmm. And we haven't talked about Don Cheadle and... The fact that everyone's really concerned about the fact that has Donald always talked this way? Now we can just finally understand him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was this. It, it, it went a bit long for me. Yes, but, I agree. But I thought it was a good idea, and uh, it it was an entertaining statement on on gender and and many other things. Uh, when mm-hmm. when because Beakley should be in charge. But yes. apparently, as soon all it takes is a powerful male masculine voice, and she is not in charge anymore. Like I don't think the show was intending to make these points, but no. it was there, <laughs> and so it, it was an interesting thing. But the notion, I mean, Abby, it makes sense for Donald to be our point person in theory because it's you know Huey, Louie, and Dewey. But it's her granddaughter too, so like yeah. I and I had some troubles with that, but um, but I did think that it was a really fun thing to do as a one-off for this yes. finale, and yeah. and worth it if even just for that one line, which you already quoted. Oh, have you been saying things like this all the time? Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought that, that you know, when when he starts doing rubber baby buggy bumpers, um, yeah, I've never said that before. Uh, it was it was a really lovely little comedic beat, and I'm glad that that was in there. Yeah, and I th- I agree with you that it just went on a little too long. I was glad when it was resolved, and I hope that they, as much as I enjoy Don John Cheadle on just about anything, I don't mm-hmm. need him to keep coming back because I want Tony Aselmo to keep doing this. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, I want Donald to sound like Donald. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, and, and it's a bigger task to make Donald that effective without tap, you know, again, tagging in yeah. Don Cheadle. Like, yes. it's kind of a cheat because Don Cheadle's <laughs> awesome. Um, so I would love to see them manage that level of pathos without changing yeah. Donald's voice. So let's see if they can do that next season. Um, any other DuckTales thoughts? No. Um, tell me a little bit about the, uh, Lady Killer finale. Uh, since I didn't get a chance to watch this just yet. I thought it was fine, okay. but not as satisfying as I would have hoped. Uh, okay. If it gets renewed for next season, th- there's, the premise that they're setting up for next season is excellent. So Okay, that's exciting. Yeah, there's a lot they could do. But uh, I thought these last few episodes worked well, and um, I think they, there was a one or two moments that they were hoping would have a more... Uh, emotional land that didn't really work for me. Um, mm-hmm. But, but in general, I, you know, they were, they were satisfying. It was well done. It just didn't stand out to me as a particularly um, memorable or impactful finale. So uh, I, the, I would give it to, to Jamie Mays. I think her, her physical 
performance uh, as Car- uh, Carol starts to go into labor but refuses to leave the courtroom uh, is particularly delightful. Um, but yeah, it was just like sort of solid. But I think the season overall was was really fun. I introduced my parents to this, and mm-hmm. they uh, were enjoying the the, the lady driver. They. <laughs> Maybe driver. Um, and I'm ho- hopeful that they will enjoy the rest of the season as well when they get around to watching it. Um, I still would recommend it. But more than anything right now, I'm excited about what a season three would be. So I will leave it there until you have a chance okay. to see it. And let's yeah. move on to the Great British Baking Show finale, the final. You can find my review uh, over at the AV Club. Um, I thought that this was, like, compared to the previous episode... This was sort of underwhelming. I thought the previous ex- episode was actually way more suspenseful with way better and more impressive challenges. Um, yeah. But I still enjoy these bakers and I still, you know, enjoyed the final and was okay with the result, even if I don't think that they the show executed that result in the most satisfying way. I think there are things they could have done to make th- the the winner feel more justified if that makes sense. What what did you think about the final? It was fine. Like the whole thing was just fine. Why why is the final why is the showstopper to make a cake? Like, yeah. I don't understand. Like why I mean I understand that the fun cake can be a little difficult. But it's also just like you're making a cake. We make lemon chiffon cakes for people's birthday all the time. Yeah. In my family. They're not hard. Mm-hmm. It's like, make an angel food cake and decorate it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is there more? There's not more. Huh. Yeah. And so, like, James's decision to do, like, I'm going to do five of these cakes. And then Paul to be like, the challenge was for one cake. And it's just like, someone needed to do something because it was make a cake. But then he needed <laughs> to, like, stack the cakes on top of each other. Yes. Like, like, yeah, no, he needed to, like, think out his concept significantly more. But at least he was trying to do something. Yeah, yeah, at least he had, like, he's like, they can't just mean, like, make a cake. No, they did just mean make a cake. Um, and But, yeah, he did get bogged down in the, the concept just yeah. was flawed. But you know what was really neat? And it, he didn't, he wasn't able to really execute it. But I was fascinated to learn that Turkish Delight apparently looks like that and tastes like rose. Yes. I didn't know that. Now I didn't I know do. that either. <laughs> yeah, no, I've never known what that was. And then I saw it and I just went, that can't be right. Then Google, uh, Google, oh, it is. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, fascinating. But yeah, so it was fine. And the fact that James won is like fine. No, John um, won. John, sorry, John won, yes. The fine fact that John won is fine. Um, mainly because by the end, I'm just like, I don't understand why it's not Brendan. I really don't. Um, so it was just like, was the Heaven and Hell cake that impressive, I guess, in person? looks really good but it's also just like it didn't feel particularly like novel or showstoppery to me um not that brendan's family reunion chiffon cake necessarily did either but i also like the story behind his cake a lot more Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of a split of like this just feels like a boring choice to me yeah well and it's for me i was surprised because i you know I, i have seen this previously like yeah. years ago um i was surprised upon rewatching it to to find that the, the comments they really were heavily leaned leaning towards brendan like they yeah. said lots of great things to john but they like were effusive with brendan so that and, and i watching i knew the result i knew already who was going to win and so i was like huh 
That is interesting. And I think that's why they included those comments about the whole season. And I thought that, that was not cool because that is not what they have established as their principle for who wins. Yeah. Like looking at the season as a whole. Like, and it felt like they were trying to justify their choice because they didn't want to give it to Brendan. And it was, it was just very strange. Brendan ended up with two star bakers over the whole series. And that is not right. He didn't get Star Baker for those swans. Justice for the swans. The swans were insane. Yeah. I don't understand how the swans were a thing that actually exists in the indeed. world. Indeed. Indeed. Um, as a whole, though, it was just, like I wrote in my review, it was really interesting to watch the show kind of figuring out its feet. Because there are a couple episodes that they really, everything clicked together. And mm-hmm. they found, uh, like, the best possible version of the show. And that's what the show would go on to be more like week to week in the next season and the ones after that. But in this third season, which was the fifth season of Baking Show, but it aired in 2012 over in the UK, um, they were still kind of figuring that out. Like Mel and Sue were practically not in this finale. It was very yeah. strange. And what was interesting for me and, you know, from a just a TV, like understanding TV kind of perspective, very, very entertaining was seeing them figure out like what worked and have like these really terrific episodes and then come back the next week and not recapture that, you know, it was, it was fascinating. Um, so we'll see what happens with the show moving forward. It will not be, uh, airing on PBS anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. they're not going to air the first and second series of Big Off, which are the only two that have not aired on PBS so far. Um, so I don't know. Netflix has picked them up. Netflix has picked it up for future yeah. episodes? Okay. Yeah. Well, as long as they include the technicals, because <laughs> Canadian Broadcast Company, that's a bunch of bullshit, um, then maybe that's something that I will have the opportunity to write about in the future, or certainly that we will have an opportunity to to, to discuss. But um, right now, it was just, you know, it was a lot of fun to, to really dive in and, and break each episode apart and write about it. Uh, it required a lot of... Uh, I was just, would sit and just, like, analyze the angles and the, the, the specific recipe choices and all this stuff. And it was, it was a lot of fun. So thank you for any of those who read along over at EV club or listened along here for coming with me on this delightful journey. Thank you, Noel. Thank you, Kate. And how about, uh, venture brothers arrears in science. Uh, so I mentioned that I want to talk about this episode just because it was so really good. I feel like, um, mm-hmm. in terms of, Paying off, like, a lot of stuff that I only sort of quasi-remember from season six. But that all feel really driven and motivated by the two episodes that precede that, precede this one. And the entirety of The Venture Brothers has always been really good at using its history and using its mythology. And I feel like that's really on display here as we reaffirm that Jonas Venture is just the fucking worst. (laughs) And is, like, shamelessly manipulating uh, Monarch's father and all this sort of stuff. And it's the conclusion of it of, like, basically killing two fathers again is really, is so Venture Brothers that it just feels delightfully whole and complete. And now they can move on to basically the next thing that they want to do, having done this and sort of wipe the slate clean a little bit for the uh, for the Monarch and his Blue, Morf- Blue Morpho activities from the previous season. But then there's also just the fact that this episode's really heavy and Clancy Brown, and that's always a good thing. Um, and that character's so good for Clancy Brown. <laughs> um, so I just want to mention it because I think it's just a really strong Venture Brothers episode. 
And while I was watching it, I just went, I really don't feel like the show has been this good since like season two for me anyway. Mm-hmm. And season two was like pinnacle of the show for me, season two or three. I'm pretty sure season two. And it was just really nice to ha- feel really in a groove with the show as opposed to sort of like kind of grasping at what it was trying to do because I don't remember, which is mostly on me. But it was just a really solid episode. So that's just why I wanted to mention it. Uh, did you have any particular thoughts on this or anything that stood out? I love them making Dr. Venture and Monarch unknowing half-brothers. Yes. It's like perfect. And also just works with the bone structure <laughs> for both characters so so very well. Like, it just, it was a really, it's been a really entertaining start to this season. And it was a really fun episode. And I, like you, I think they, they, they did a really good job of wrapping up some of the threads to this point. So who knows what they're going to do from here. But there's a lot of different ways they could go. And I'm excited to see where they go next. And yeah, more Clemson Brown is always a good thing. Like you said. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention Younger really quick, mostly just because I wanted to use that audio, the the song from the episode this week. Um, but the the other thing I wanted to mention about it is that they have a cake at a dinner party, and it's a Fraser. A, a Fraser. <laughs> it, it was only missing one thing. It had the cake on the bottom, and it had the strawberries and the custard, um, but it didn't have the top layer of cake. Okay. So it was just like you needed to slice that sponge in half and then it would have been a full on fr- frisier. But like down to the sliced strawberries going around the edge, you know, in the decorative pattern and everything, I was just like, oh, that's a Fraser. Nobody else cares. But I do. So I'm going to mention it on my podcast. That's all I got. More more on Younger after finale. Um, but I also wanted to mention Full Frontal Samantha B this week because they did a clip show and normally I hate clip shows. I just sure. they're a waste of time. But I thought it was fucking brilliant because they used a clip show to be like, hey, guys, remember how it feels like we keep telling these same stories over and over again with Me Too? <laughs> so this stuff is still happening and it is still relevant. So we're going to do a clip show instead of just skipping a week. Um, and I thought it was just brilliant and really smart and really apt uh, and such a such a clever thing to do um, while still f- being absolutely in keeping with the, the show's priorities and messaging. So um, well done, Full Frontal. I was very excited to see them mentioning Hardwick. I like that as a, a framing device for these clips, as it were, um, as a way to be like, yes, no, um, we've kind of, we've seemingly forgotten things. And so by using the clips and they added them together really, really nicely. Yeah. Um, and I also liked that it ends with that Elizabeth Warren interview, which is really good and also just really delightful because it reminds us how much Elizabeth Warren loves ballers. Yeah. And the world <laughs> should never forget how much Elizabeth Warren loves ballers. Yeah. And how excited she was that Rob Corddry showed up with a cardboard cutout of Dwayne Johnson in her office. Um <laughs> And so that whole perseverance aspect of it and remembering aspect, I think is really really vital to both this movement, but also, like you said, to the show's priorities. So I think that that's the benefit of this, even while there's clearly like, pay no attention to the fact that we don't have a set right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Um, We have this screen and we have Samantha in front of, in front of this and we'll be fine. And it works. It works completely. So it's something that they can definitely do again, if they need to like cover like a lack of a budget because they're doing something very large one week. 
um, like a trip to Puerto Rico or another type of thing. This is something that they can continue to do, provided that they have enough pegs to hang them on. So it's a good tool that they can develop more of. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, I'm really excited about their new set. I look forward to seeing Mm -hmm. it. So uh, more on that uh, as we see their new set in a couple weeks. Uh, But I wanted to move on to Castle Rock and the Queen. And this is the episode... This is the Sissy's Basic episode, and you are not yet at this point in the season. You're watching with your person a little slower. Uh, So what I will say is this episode is told from her character's perspective. And her character, of course, has dementia that comes in and out. And so it's basically like a time travel episode. And you keep cutting between in just these different parts of the season that we've already seen and then different like flashbacks to her life. But Sissy Spacek is playing her character at every age. And Oh, cool. Right. It's very cool. And there are all these really wonderful, uh, scenes that, uh, that, that just have individual, cause they're very discreet, but there's a, thread throughout the episode that of something that the character knows and that the audience think we know is happening but she keeps getting lost and then she finds her way back and she knows something is wrong and she knows there's a threat or she knows there's like something she needs to do but then she has to find her way back into the present and keep you know going about what she's doing and the the episode is it's beautifully written it's masterfully uh put together uh and of course this is basic is amazing so you know the performances are stellar across the board um how have you have you gotten no you know you haven't really gotten to very much scott glenn stuff yet in the leftovers um, no just like i'm i like i'm on his like the next episode i have to watch is like the episode based on the episode description is one where he gets out shows. of the hospital that he's in yeah um, yeah no there's a lot more coming yeah, no, and yeah. I'm aware. So I'm just like, uh, so that was the other reason I stopped. I was just like, I don't know if I'm prepared for that right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm prepared for Kevin and Nora to have sex, but I'm not prepared for anything else right now. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the Scott Glenn stuff we get in this episode of Castle Rock is also really really good, and the note they end on is absolutely beautiful. So there are these just these combinations of emotions. Um, I look forward to you getting to to the Queen. Um. And when you do see it, we can talk about it more. But I, I definitely had to mention it this week because it's just really, really good. Like, this is one of the best episodes of TV this year. Definitely for me. It's like up there with Teddy Perkins and some of these other really memorable episodes. And I think you could also just watch it without mm-hmm. having seen the other context. Like, if you've seen the rest of the season, then you realize that we're seeing a different perspective on some of the scenes we've already seen. And mm-hmm. so it wouldn't be as probably as effective in the same way if you had if you just watch it as a standalone but the strength of the performance and the you know when as soon as you understand the premise or like what the the construction is it's just it's so powerful and effective and such a excellent blend of tones and yeah just levels i guess uh and, and how we experience our life and how we experience time and how we live within and outside of ourselves um, yeah, it, 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 there's, reminds me of something from the Adventure Time finale, which we'll talk about in a few weeks. Guys, it's really good. Um, but more on that when y'all have seen it. So let's move on to our last show for the week in TV, and that is Winona Earp, Jolene. And I did not recognize 
at all that this is uh, Lady Doctor from, uh, uh, oh my God, from Lost Girl playing Jolene. Uh, the actor's name escapes me right now. Zoe Palmer. Zoe Palmer. Thank you. I should have written it down. She was terrific. This was such a fun episode. This episode for me basically just works because of Zoe Palmer. Oh, because no. <laughs> Are we going to disagree on this one? Oh, just a smidge in that I do acknowledge that it's a very good episode, but I also feel like it's still a, well, everyone's enchanted under, under a spell again type of episode, which I feel like yeah. happens just way too fucking often on this show. Mm-hmm. And to the standard sort of results of it. And it's also like one of those things where I just have to assume that the Zoe Palmer demon just refused to cook vegan desserts because otherwise, why is Jeremy not in this episode? Because they have to do vegan desserts. And Uh here's the thing. Vegan desserts are delicious. But I guess that was just too much work for the demon. Um, (laughs) And so it's just one of those things where I think the episode's really good. I think Zoe Palmer's performance carries the episode because she's just amazing, period. Um, from her work in Lost Girl to her work in Dark Matter um, to various other types of um, genre programming that she does in Canada. Um, she's always just really, really great. And so she's really, really great here. And it's just really effortless sort of darkness that she brings to this role. Even by the end where she's like gone full on deranged. Um, it feels of a piece of the manipulative baker or housewife sort of character that Jolene's constructed. And that's why it's, that's why for me the episode works. Because basically if it wasn't for this performance, I would have just been like, why are these people eating baked goods from a stranger all the f***ing time? (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, that wouldn't be weird to me. So, like, I was, I was in uh, North Carolina at my extended family reunion and we made... Uh, Ryan's key lime pie, okay, or, or lime pie, uh, and for for seventy that when we were down there made individual seventy five individual key lime pies. So we had extra. We were walking him back along the beach, and somebody shouted down from a roof or from a from a balcony, "Hey, uh, what you got there?" And I ended up giving them some. No, uh, and so and that, that did not seem strange to me. <laughs> um, so like that was like. This is this was not surprising to me. No, I was like Nicole. You don't know who this person is. Why are you accepting scones from her? You're a much better police officer than this. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that it was for me. It was clear that she kind of gave off like a vibe that kind of fuzzied their brains a little bit. Um, but, but no, I thought that, you know, I, I get where you're coming from. Um, and and Jay could have totally had Jeremy there and she could have given him chocolates and it would have been fine. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, I, I was missing him in this episode. Uh, the, you're right. They do go to this well too frequently. Um, I think part of why they do that is that they're very good at it. Yes, they are. This is a really fun episode. And I just loved seeing Mama Earp, uh, not, she isn't, Mama Gibson, yeah. I guess we should say, at the bar. And I was just like, oh, it's oh, very she's, good. It's very good. This is very good. This is like, she's immediately, she belongs here. Mm-hmm. This is right. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if she's going to be in hiding now because she's on the lam or whatever, but it was nice to at least get some of the time with them all hanging out as if everything was okay. I also really liked just the little details of like calling her Jojo, mm-hmm. right? Cause that's the kind of thing they would do. Yes. Like there was this, uh, care in the details of the interactions that really worked for me. And, um, 
Yeah, I, we we know there's at least one more weird episode this season because of the you know the promos, yeah. Jeremy's new you know love interest looking at potato in a weird way. Like there's at least one more everybody gets high on magic or something episode, and so we've had the vampire one and this one. Um, so I hope they don't overuse that. To a point where I no longer am able to really appreciate it. But for me, this episode, like, the pros outweighed the cons. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I'm just being grumpy. Yeah. Is all it That's okay. I just clearly need baked goods because I'm just being grumpy about this. Yeah, I still, <laughs> listeners, I still owe, owe Noel and, and his person cookies. And I am have not forgotten. Uh, they are eventually get, getting to you. It's uh, okay. I will. Yeah, no, it's not. It is not okay. But that's a conversation for another time when I make myself feel guilty about things that I have no reason to feel guilty about. But I still make manage to do it because that's how Catholic and Midwestern guilt works. Um, which I think is how Southern guilt works. I think it's just guilt, right? That's just what like that's how it works. Yeah, that's exactly how that works. Yeah, bless your heart. Um, anyways. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so, what wins your week in TV this week? Um, because there's also the Queen Sugar finale, right. and it was real good. Um, I, uh, Venture Brothers and the Queen Sugar finale win it for me this week. I think um, Ducktales is like very, very close in that, but it's mm-hmm. those two shows this week. Uh, what about you? Castle Rock and the Queen Sugar finale yeah. win it for me. Um. Don't make me pick. It's our show. We don't have to pick if we don't want to. So I'm not gonna. They're both really, really good. And more on that after we listen to some music or a trailer for the finale uh, and come back with our season spotlight on Queen Sugar. We'll be right back after this. Boys, are we ready to sign a contract for Queen Sugar? Your daddy'd be so proud. Ralph Angel Bordelon, these are your results. I'll give you a minute. I'm thinking of quitting the newspaper. New York. They offered me a book deal. Girl, tread carefully. You going to public school goes against everything your mom wants for you. Absolutely not. You're not even giving me a chance. Giving you a chance is all I've ever done. I don't need you being all manly and protective. That's what I do. Feels bad having a secret like ours, don't it? Feels a little dirty. Oh, Angel, can we just talk about this in two seconds? It's your mama. So this is you now, tricking your own people into giving you their business. I know it's a little thing, but it's my little thing. It's my kind. Mom, for the first time in my life, I feel like I belong. Hey, Ralph Angel. It's like you and Darla ain't together no more. You got my number. Huh? Come on, let's get you back to bed. You have anything to do with that cop video getting leaked? Why should we always be the first to forgive and forget? I won't apologize for protecting my son. I've been doing a lot of pretending these days. I just don't forget what's real. I'll burn the entire Landry family to the goddamn ground. You need to wake up. The game's rigged. You can't win this way. That was a trailer for Queen Sugar Season 3, which just wrapped up with its finale um, from On the Pulse of Morning. And 
this season has been really terrific. I, I think for me, last season, season two, had some of the most powerful moments of the series, but week to week wasn't as satisfying. This season, mm-hmm. I think, has been much more balanced, and every character has had a thread that I have invested in, and it comes together in such a wonderful way in this finale. Queen Sugar has just been crushing it, and... uh I'm going to repeat my my two biggest talking points about Queen Sugar. One is really, 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 really good. And two, more people should be watching it because it's really, 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 really good. Um, yeah. Let's start from there. What did you think about this finale? It's so good, Kate. Like, <laughs> I feel like the, this finale is sort of where they've been building up to in terms of as a narrative structure. Because I feel like their finales have always been really consistent in that... There are really good buttons on their episodes, but they also take an inordinate amount of time to set up what next season is, at least in the initial part. And I really appreciate that about the show. And But this season, I think, does such a really masterful job of like, all right, here are our new char- challenges for Charlie. Here's our new challenges for Ralph Angel and... Um, Goodness, um, Nova? Darla. Oh, Darla. Darla, yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's our new challenge for Nova. And here's our new path for Violet on Hollywood. Oh my God. Best and purest couple on television. And I will broker no dissent on this. <laughs> um, and so that whole, that whole, it encompasses everything and ropes Micah into it now as well, which I find really good. And a natural outgrowth of what they've done with his character since season two. And it's just so well done. And I think that the other thing that I just really, really love about this finale is that it's all driven by moments of triumph. From Micah finding a voice that is authentically his, um, even as heavy-handed as it is of like his inability to speak in the auditorium, but then finding a literal voice for himself when he's in front of that crowd at the actual protest. Um, to the the wedding to charlie getting um um uh sam out even at a significant potential cost and the rise of a different sort of antagonist for her to vi getting that restaurant for her shop which is also just economically smart yeah uh, for the show (laughs) but it's also such a good sort of full circle for that character that the fact that this entire episode is just driven by triumphs and completions is just, it's really gorgeous and it's really lovely because there's not heavy shadows hanging over anything in this episode in particular. They're lurking kind of on the edge a little bit here and there, but it's just success after success after success. And that makes me just really happy. And it makes it, the celebration at the end feel so earned and so lovely for me. Yeah, no, it 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 absolutely is. Uh, friend of the show, Angelica Jade Bastien, did a set visit um, to Queen Sugar while they were filming the the wedding and the reception. Okay, and she talked about in her her write up of of that experience uh, how radical, how quietly radical it is to end a show and end a season like this on just triumph and joy. Yeah, um, and to end particularly a show centered on. And telling stories uh, about people of color and black characters, specifically in a rural setting, and having it be one of, of victory and of strength and of celebration. Um, and in the previous seasons, they've had there's been some of that, but there's been setbacks as well. 
And this, I mean, I'm a little worried about next season (laughs) because this one ends a little too happy, you know? Um, But what we do get is in, in, in this finale is feels inevitable. It's a long time coming. And also is incredibly powerful. It because we know that some of these threads need to come to a head or need to come to yes. their next point, uh, that can get uh predictable or that can get tired. But instead here it's it's again, it's deeply satisfying and it resonates all the more because they stick the landing. Um this episode was written by the showrunner for next year. And directed by the showrunner for this year, <laughs> so the the Cat Candler, the the showrunner of season three, directed this episode, and and it was written by Anthony Sparks, who's going to be the showrunner for season four, and that has me very excited because <laughs> it's a yeah. very well written finale, um, and the care given to each character and the awareness of the show's history. Uh, in some of these different callbacks, uh, was really satisfying. I keep saying satisfying, but it's really powerful. Um, yeah, where should we start? Should we start with Micah? Yeah, no, we can definitely start with Micah. Um, it's just, I really like how gradual that's been from the show's perspective of like, mm-hmm. we're going to slowly build this up. And even to when they felt like they were sort of speeding along a little bit this season with it. The fact that this is the conclusion to that, I think is really great. And I think it also speaks really well of the overall sort of arc of Micah of like trying to find a way to speak what he's feeling. As someone who's really struggled with that because he's trapped between two very particular personalities but also trapped in his perception of both of those personalities, meaning his parents. And so him speaking out this way is a way for him to finally talk about who he is and that's just really lovely and you don't get to see that a lot um and done as well as it is here and i'm really glad that they've taken that time and i'm really glad to see what comes next if something comes next um for him going forward with this since the prison seems to be on hold for the time being yeah it the character has come such a long way since the start of the show Mm -hmm. and um i think he still has a way to go but that feels kind of right for that age too. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think they're, they're again they're handling Micah with such awareness and with a with a gentle hand. And I th- again I think that's appropriate for who he is, um, the person his personality and everything, and also for high school. Mm-hmm. It, how often do they ha- does a, a show a, a drama family drama have a teenage character, and they just overwrite the character every time. Uh, have, I mean, like, I can think of so many examples. <laughs> and instead here, if anything, they underwrite him, and they rely on the actor to sell some moments and to, to react. And so it doesn't always work for me, but this finale, it definitely did, and this season it has as well. I was worried they were going to overplay their hand with the the fire. And I think that they handled that just right so far and I, i'm looking forward to seeing what what's going to come next or, or or with the the family drama you know with with his dad and his sudden half sister and everything and instead of steering to that they centered the character back in on this awareness of his community and uh his burgeoning social awareness and desire to get involved and how much the events 
from the the fin- was it the premiere the season premiere or the previous season finale really impacted him um yeah it's it's i i've really enjoyed that's probably the character that i was the most or the least invested in the i would say most worried about but i was just kind of forgetting him and now he feels like a fully incorporated part of the show yeah absolutely and it, i like again your point about the way that they've built him up and the fact that it uh corresponds with his like age allows them to kind of do this without it seem like they've neglected the character because they've never really neglected Micah but he's always he's always sort of had to been a passive observer in a lot of things his ability to act has always been limited and that feels like it's sort of falling away and I like that yeah okay who's next um Let's talk about Nova a little bit, um, mm-hmm. because I'm excited about like her writing career kind of taking off. Um, but I also feel like she, in favor of like developing Micah, the writers decided not to develop Nova very much by exploring the Remy sort of relationship a little bit, to which just petered out. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I'm curious to see what happens next as the book comes forward and the struggles that that will entail for everyone as her manager, agent, best friend, editor says, there's a little too much truth in this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So you're going to have, you may have a little bit of problems, but I'm also my thing with having seen the Remy um, thing just sputter out is and I ask you this question, like, very much seriousness. Are they going to remember that Nova's bisexual at any point in the show? Or I was going to say, <laughs> let's get her let's get her a girlfriend, right? Because yeah. they clearly, they do when they, because uh, they will bring it up when it's, like, appropriate for a character to ask, like, are you going to bring a guy or a girl to the wedding? Yeah. You know, like, you know, almost in a way that's awkward instead of just saying, are you bringing a date, you know? Yeah. Um, but and and having Vi be the one who's a little awkward with her bisexuality makes sense. But like, but yeah, they they seem to be forgetting that she's bi. And you know, I I want to give the show credit and say that maybe they're doing something very intentional, which is just not defining the character as someone who is going to date a man and then date a woman and then date a man and then date a woman to prove that she's bi kind of a thing because bisexuality, like so much, so many parts of sexuality is a spectrum and there are people who mostly date one gender and occasionally date the other gender or who are romantically attracted to one and primarily, and then sexually attracted to the other, Uh, you know, like it's a complicated thing, but I would like them to very please Please and thank you very much. Please and thank you. Um, remember this and make it part of next season in a more yeah. meaningful way, because there is not enough uh, queer women of color representation on TV, and Nova is a great example of it. By the way, also everybody talking about Ruby Rose uh, being cast as Batwoman. Batwoman is not the first lesbian superhero on TV. That would be Thunder. Are you kidding me? Black, Black Lightning exists. And Thunder's a badass, and she's openly uh, lesbian from the very beginning uh, of the show. So can we please not call Batwoman the first lesbian CW superhero? It's been really frustrating. Off my soapbox. Um, yeah, that's something that I specifically am hoping for next season. I, I liked that they, if they were going to go with the Remy thing, I think the way that it kind of sputters out feels appropriate. The yes. actors were selling the the crap out of 
of that dynamic and they have good chemistry, but I didn't, I never really bought it. And I, I, I like it as like, um, Nova exploring this different kind of person she could be, but they didn't feel like it was really her. And I would yeah. like them to, you know, I'm reminded of Christina Yang from Grey's Anatomy and mm-hmm. this notion of she was great with Burke, but only after context, after they they wrote him off, Isaiah Washington off, um, and then they had the character reflect, they had the character realize that she was, she had been sacrificing, you know, that amazing, amazing speech that she gives, that Sandra O gave, um, I think... It should have won a Herman Emmy. I don't know if it did. About how she had been taking away pieces of herself to try to be the kind of person who was with Burke. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really, that idea fits very well with her, with Nova's love interest from last season, who looks perfect on paper. Yeah. And um, I think maybe that's what they're trying to explore here as well with Remy, where this is a different, you know, is she the kind of, is she this person? Um but I don't think that they've settled on really the right fit for her yet. And I would like to see that explored in a meaningful way next season. And that includes maybe she wants to date a woman. Yeah. And as opposed to just have a fling with a woman. And if she doesn't, then like maybe let us know that. You know? Yeah. Have someone ask her have Micah ask her about it. Yeah, no, and that's kind of what I want. Is like that's the main reason I wanted to pivot to Nova is to get like this sort of a critique of the show out of the way because there's a there's so much room and so much empathy within the show that they can do this and do this really well, and it 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 sort of feels like they just don't want to or they don't feel comfortable doing it, mm-hmm. um, and that's frustrating. Yeah, indeed. Well, and I really have enjoyed the way they've built the Micah and Nova dynamic. Yes. Uh and and that I think that works because there's always there is so much of that tension with Charlie or uh at times. And so having her be a different and en- such a different energy for, for Micah to reach out to in a d- difficult time, like the way it's been this past season for him, uh has really worked. And so that's certainly something that if they wanted to have someone you know, ask her about, about, you know, her sexuality or if she's dating someone new, it could be Charlie. That would work really well, but it could also be Micah. And that could be an interesting thing to, an interesting conversation to see. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I'm excited about the fights brewing with her book though. Yeah, no, that should be really, that should be really solid drama and it should be really solid, like internal drama. And I'm excited about that mm-hmm. um, because I do think that the show does really well with like external threats to the the alone family are always really well executed but i the most potent ones always come from within from themselves and i yeah. think that nova's book's definitely going to cause some problems yep <laughs> indeed um let's move over to ralph angel and yeah. and darla and more of me singing the show's praises um because i like the one of the most powerful moments of TV I've seen this year was him finding out the paternity test. That's going to stick. It's still sticking with me. It's sticking with me all year. I would expect at this point. Um, I think the way that the show continues to the grace that it gives both Ralph Angel and Darla while also allowing them pettiness, while also allowing them, uh, you know, not the shiniest and best of moments. Um, but the, the, you know, I keep, 
I don't know. I shouldn't be surprised anymore. But I keep being impressed with their treatment of Darla. And it, she doesn't take a not for a second does she think it's right to um to take or to to try to exclude Ralph Angel from the the custody discussions because he's not Blue's biological father. That doesn't yeah. matter to her. And um that's something that a lesser show would do to turn her into a villain. And this show is not interested in having her as a villain because she's so much more interesting if she's not. Right. Her uh, mother's a much better. <laughs> yeah. But they still of... humanize the mother too, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about with like this show's empathy and everything that it has. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I do feel like this, I do feel like too much of like waiting for the maternity paternity test like hinged on them wanting to finally do this storyline. Mm-hmm. Um that it was a frustration of season two. Um but I think that the payoff generally works. I like Ralph Angel's uh exploration of another potential relationship. I thought that worked really nicely, uh, without sacrificing the obvious connection that he and Darla share. So all in all, I really liked the sort of storyline with that, even if sometimes it, for me, it gets a little muddied when it's just like the whole, um, whatchamacallit, ex-con hiring thing sort of like fades out a little bit after the, um, after the custody visit. Um, and then just doesn't have time to resurface because they've got so many other plates, um, in the air spinning that it never really kind of came back but i like that it sort of came back in this way in the finale with him visiting the prison and talking to folks and demonstrating a type of awareness and eloquence that ralph angel normally reserves for very specific occasions but putting it back into a community which is again what all of his other family members sort of drive for Mm -hmm. that he has been only on the periphery of to a certain degree apart from his ability to talk to the farmers when charlie wasn't able to really in season two so i like that this is another path forward for him as the show goes forward yeah indeed and the uh you know the if they want to they can have darla and ralph angel reunite and if they don't that they can do that too yeah and there's there's a lot they can go with this season i'm still waiting for the shoe to drop from the premiere when he robbed that guy or yeah. that that that's like i can't rest easy with ralph angel even with like until he's officially off his parole maybe a little bit more and until, i know that that shoe is gonna drop eventually um so i don't know we'll see i i'm yeah. always worried a little bit about him how about uh let's, let's go over then to charlie and the machinations at the mill I'm so glad that I that they did not just go to the Heisenberg, you know, Walter Wright to Heisenberg thing with her. Yeah. It's so much better and it's so much more interesting um what they've been doing having her have like a more vindictive and darker side maybe, but that actually being a a useful thing and never her never losing who she is and who right. she has been shown to be. Oh, it's great. She's it is what great. a what a great finale for Charlie. It is, but it's also, like, the rockiest of the, like, endings for the finale because Sam is very correct when he's just like, yeah, 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 you you, you got me, but this woman stabbed me in the back and she's my sister. What the f***? 
going to do to you? And she's already gotten Charlie over a barrel by getting those shares, some of those shares back in a way that she knew she could by just giving Charlie exactly what she wanted, which was the mill back, which was the land of the farmers back. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a really delicate web that that woman uh, wove around Charlie. And I really liked the fact that it, sort of takes Charlie by surprise a little bit when Sam points this out to her. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the sheer... The sheer sort of, like, confidence that Charlie, exib- Charlie exhibits by saying, yeah, well, I'll deal with that. I can deal with that, is mm-hmm. perfectly pure Charlie in everything that's happened up to this point. And that makes me really excited, but it all the way that it works to your point about the Walter White Heisenberg type of thing is that she does it for other people sort of thing in the end. And And I believe her when she says that. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what matters here is like, this is a legitimate thing because if there's not that scene with Prosper, which, Oh my God. Um, (sighs) listeners, that's halfway through that scene is where my DVR cut off because this was an hour and a half finale but somebody at Oprah, at Oprah Winfrey Network did not tell that to Comcast or yeah. whatever. And so it cut off right as that scene was starting with Prosper. And then I had to go to, like, the internet to Oprah.com to find it so I could watch it again. That is just mean because it was a beautiful scene. Yeah, no, it's gorgeous. And it's what helps sell the fact that she's doing this for the right reasons type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that despite the fact that she sold the mill to... Ah, to the Landrys that she was doing it for the right reasons type of thing. And that's always, that's increasingly what's motivating her as opposed to this desire to make a new life for herself to prove that she can. It's no, I know I can do this. Now I have to do it for these other people. And I think that's really, really great. Yeah. Okay. Is the time? Yeah, it's time. Bye in Hollywood. (gasps) You're the best. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Um, Okay, let's start first. He bought her the high yellow. Instead of going all out for the wedding, he spent the money on the high yellow. And it's so beautiful. He was getting dusty while I was watching. And I liked how that's framed with like the cutting back and forth between like her perspective and then her Mm -hmm. hands covering her eyes. Um, Just from a sort of like these are the hands that she uses to make these pies. So we're going to do close-ups of these pies as she's about to get the very thing she's wanted from the get-go. Um, she's gotten the high yellow. She's got the, her pie shop. And the mobilization of that from the supermarket investor to Hollywood actually buying it is just, it's so good. And then, it's so good. And then the vows, and the that vows. she's got them all just off the top of her head. And then that little comedic moment of him being like, like oh, I have to get mine out of my pocket. I'm and doing she, my notes. You're not going to make me feel bad about using notes. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> this is very, this is so perfect and lovely. And also it gets back to this idea of voice that I think mm-hmm. ends up running through a lot of this is that Violet is constantly talking about how she sort of doesn't feel comfortable with their relationship on any number of levels, the inequity of it, or the way that the age difference or the medical differences or any sorts of these things. And she's always sort of struggled to say those things in ways that don't feel flimsy or half-hearted in terms of like, she's just wanting to self-sabotage herself. So having her do this 
without any notes, speaking basically a type of truth from herself is just really lovely and sort of another sort of climax of a character's journey over these three seasons. And it's just, it's so lovely and it's not at all tear inducing. And it was just allergy season here because of the smoke (laughs) that's left over. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was so beautiful. Um, I and like I loved the wedding dress. I loved his suit. I loved the way that the simple but elegant way that they decorated the house. I mean, if you have that house, yeah, get married in the backyard because like look at that backyard, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the yeah the 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 right tone, right? It struck exactly the right tone for those characters. And it balanced the the comedic with the sentimental, with the just bald face of the honest. I still remember that scene, um, you know, when they were talking about her not wanting to take his name. Yeah. When they got married and her saying, like, I don't need you. Yeah. But I want you. And that's so much more important. Because that's not the... Th- that's not what we usually see on television. That's not usually what we see. We have they're usually characters who are the OTP are shown as desperately needing the other person and not being able to function without them. And to have instead in this show this beautifully mature relationship where they they could operate just fine without the other person. They would still like be functional, but they wouldn't be happy. They wouldn't, yeah. you know, like they could have, you know, lives at six by themselves, but instead they, they get to have lives at 10 with each other mm-hmm. and, um, a celebration of that as like something, something to be sought after is not someone who you need desperately or else you can't exist, but as someone who makes you better, who you get to celebrate life together with is just, I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. And that's sort of what drives so much of this show forward as well, is even though these are people who are biologically connected, that for all intents and purposes, they had sort of chosen to sort of be apart to a certain degree, Mm -hmm. even if they geographically lived in the same area. But now um, they're choosing to be together and they're choosing to reinforce one another and back one another up. And that comes through so much within Vi and Hollywood's vows, but also in how they decide to celebrate their wedding um, with, by doing the ceremony itself with just these core members and recognizing Prosper as one of those core members, I think is also really significant and a very nice gesture. I had one problem with it though. Oh, what was it? Was it Micah's there? Blue wasn't there. You're right. Blue wasn't there. Maybe it was just because it was so late. I don't know. I'm guessing it was like a filming issue with like, it was too, because they filmed that like all day until like four in the morning. So I'm just guessing that they couldn't like logistically. No. And also just like legally they couldn't. Yeah. Legally. That's, that's my guess. And they're (laughs) like, just don't notice it. Don't show everybody all at once. Just pan the camera. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Please continue. No, no, I was at the end of my thought, but I think that your point uh, about Blue is really well taken, but also probably just a major legal issue for them. They couldn't have that kid there at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the last day of filming was the reception. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, who knows exactly why, but I'm guessing, like, they would want him there. So in my head canon, he was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, 
any final thoughts on Queen Sugar Season 3? Just that this was, again, a really good season. And listeners, please don't be surprised when it's really high on my list. Um, yeah, at the end me of too. The year because <laughs> it's going to be up there, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's Season 1, Season 3, Season 2, or Season 3, Season 1, Season 2. It's one but, of, it's, yeah, yeah. Either one of those I'd be okay with, yeah. Yeah. There, it's, it's really, it's a real, it's a real good show. Yeah. And um, having, again, I was struck by just how, how well crafted the show has been from its very beginning. When we see those shots of their dad um, on the board, on Nova's board, mm-hmm. and I was still struck by it. Because that's yeah. how much I care about their dad. Even though he's only like two episodes Three episodes, however many it was. It's the same way um, that we're invested in Blue. We're invested in Mike. We're invested in everyone's characters. I'm not invested in Charlie's new love interest because he's not sticking around. Like, he's great and all, but, like, there's not enough there there. No, there's so, not. Yeah. So, nah, yeah. He's, he's, not he's good for now. Yeah. Anyways. Um, <laughs> listeners, if you are not watching Queen Sugar, watch Queen Sugar. Um, and if you are watching Queen Sugar, reach out and let us know what you thought of this season. Um because clearly we are big fans, and we hope you are too. A few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org, where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there, or you can find us with an MP3 unchaptered feed and an M4A chaptered feed in iTunes. We're also up in Stitcher. And we would appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at theteleverse.noel. You are... At Noel RK. Kate, thank you so much for a terrific discussion this week. Thank you so much, Noel. I hope you can breathe tomorrow. I hope so, too. It's going to potentially rain all day tomorrow. I'm very Ooh. excited about that. That's very, very exciting. <laughs> well, you'll have, to, you'll have to keep us updated next week. And keep your mom updated when she only listens to the first 10 minutes. Right, um, exactly. <laughs> which always continues to entertain me. Um, until then, thank you, Noel. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Thank you.